Hello, love. Welcome to Floating on a Cloud podcast. It is the feeling you get when you are connected to your divine guidance. Sarah Sparks interviews guests to share their story on how listening to their divine guidance positively changed their life for good. Let's make listening to your divine guidance an everyday occurrence. Hello, loves. Welcome back to Floating on a Cloud podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Sparks. And today we're talking with Sylvia Renea Morel- Morales. Is that how Morales, I say? exactly. Morales. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to have her. We connected and she is all about, she is called a sensible mystic. Um, she is a transformation alchemist and teacher who guides clients to find the gold within their most powerful life transitions, helping people from all Background, notice how life wraps the best gifts in the shittiest of wrapping paper. I love that intro. She is also the host of Sovereign Self and the creator of Conscious Enlightenment Process. She is going to be the perfect gift, of perfect gift, perfect guest for this episode. And so welcome, love. I am so happy to be here with you, Sarah. It's a delight always to have these conversations with soul-guided people. <laughs> yes, for sure. So talk to me about your spiritual journey and have you always been spiritual? Have you had like, where, uh, tell me all the things. Yes. And then no. And then yes, again, uh, (laughs) when I was a child, I was, um, very dialed in Mm -hmm. and had a very close relationship with spirit, God, deity, whatever name you want to slap on that. Um, and I can remember thinking when I was a child, I was around, 12 or something. I don't understand why people don't believe in God because it's so clear to me that, you know, he's active in my life. And when something happens, if a door gets slammed, there's a window that gets opened and there's something even greater out that window that then was originally behind the door I wanted to go through. And so at that age, it was like, yeah, I'm totally supported and totally guided. And, and I don't get these people who are like, well, I'm agnostic or atheist or whatever. Yeah. And I think my, it was kind of a request to my higher self to understand mm-hmm. this wondering. Yeah. And I then went into my high school and college years and I, I stopped seeing and feeling that connection the way I used to. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was out of college and into my first like real job I was very solidly two plus two equals four it's got to be replicatable I'm from Missouri show me okay Mm -hmm. and (laughs) show me I love it and I operated that way for probably a decade a couple of decades or more um And it's easy, I think, to get into that mode because I was trained in science. My background is as a biophysicist. And then I spent many years in the data center with computers. Mm -hmm. And uh, so everything had to be replicatable and there had to be an identifiable cause and effect. Mm -hmm. And then I started, I I shouldn't say I started to get sick. I'd been sick, but it started to get very apparent that I was sick and went to a lot of doctors, couldn't figure out what was going on. They couldn't 
put their finger on it. It looks like lupus, but you don't test for lupus. It looks like rheumatoid arthritis, but it doesn't come back as rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, it could be chronic fatigue. We tested you for Epstein-Barr. We're not seeing any of that. And I get to this point in my 40s, I'm talking with my mother on the phone, who's got 25 years on me. And she's like, you have more medical complaints than I have. I'm like, I know, and I'm trying to figure it out, Mom, but I, I, I don't know what's happening. And at this point, I'm catching everything that goes around. I don't even have to leave the house to catch it. My husband comes home with some subclinical thing that doesn't bother him, and I get it, and I'm wiped out. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to lose my mind. I can't grasp the words that I want. I'm not finding my words. I, I don't remember why I'm walking into rooms, like not occasionally, but like all the time. Mm -hmm. And my husband will come home from work and say, how was your day? What went on today? And I won't be able to remember. Or if I do remember, I can't find the words to tell him. And so it's getting very pronounced and very clear that there is something wrong. Mm. And uh, as your soul will tend to do when you've been ignoring your calling, mm. <laughs> uh, things started to get plucked out of my life so that I would pay attention to what's important. And so my career was gone because I, I was not functional. I couldn't stay healthy enough to hold down a job. Mm -hmm. So I'm at home and my husband's doing the earning and then pretty soon his job disappears and we're mutually unemployed and he decides he needs to go back to school. Um, and so like the, the options for me to figure out what's going on are getting narrower as well because health insurance is evaporating and this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And we got pushed down this pathway into bankruptcy which is someplace I swore I would never go. I'm one of these people, if I promise to pay you, I'm going to freaking pay you, mm -hmm. you know, whatever I have to do. Um, except you can't pay people with zero. Mm -hmm. It's not a, a functioning number. And along this process, I decided to release my pride, accept reality, which is whether you like it or not, Mm -hmm. bankruptcy is where you need to go and I was sent to a really wonderful bankruptcy attorney in our area and he got us into a bankruptcy not the one I was looking for but the one that was optimal for us given what I now know about the trustees in our area mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but we had to have some kind of employment to do that particular bankruptcy mm -hmm. And my husband got this offer that he followed back to Indiana, which is where we'd been previously, um, and received employment that was exactly the number we needed to be able to do the shortest possible payment plan bankruptcy. And so we're living in Arizona. He's in Indiana. And, you know, everywhere I turn, it looks like there's a wall, but I just kind of keep pushing forward and the next thing we needed was someplace for him to be in Indiana because while we're in the bankruptcy somebody's got to be living in the house otherwise the trustee gets it and 
he can't commute <laughs> from Arizona. So I sent out an email to like everybody that I knew. This is, wasn't the only thing I tried, but this is the thing that worked. Mm -hmm. uh, and I got a lot of no's back. And the request in the email was, do you have a guest room my husband can stay in? You know, let me know what you want for it. <laughs> We're in bankruptcy. I can't give you much, but I will give you, you know, whatever it is you need for it. Give him a shelf in the fridge and a place to park his car. He's quiet. He's tidy. You'll hardly notice he's there, right? <laughs> and I got an answer back from a former neighbor of ours. And she said, I've got this um, condo. It's in a retirement community. I cannot rent it out according to the bylaws of the community. I can't sell it because it's underwater. And so I have to go by there every day and keep an eye on it and make sure nothing's happening to this empty unit. And she's busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. Mm. She says it would be a huge favor to me if he would stay in there, keep an eye on it, make sure that it, it stays in good condition until the market sells, turns and we can sell it. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, free, free is a good, a good price. That's, that fits <laughs> our budget, right? And so we're, we're kind of following all these weird gyrations. And so to fast forward through this story, um, through a whole set of serendipities, we got to the point that I could join him in Indiana in this borrowed condo. <laughs> uh, but he had health insurance again, which allowed me to look at doctors and options for my thing. I managed to find the foremost uh, functional medicine guy in Indianapolis and got an appointment with him mm -hmm. because the conventional people were stumped. So let's look at somebody who looks at the whole deal. Yeah. And from him, I got the diagnosis of chronic Lyme. And that's why my brain's not working. The Lyme has managed to eat its way into the brain. It's a relative of syphilis. And if you know anything about syphilis, it will literally eat your brain up. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And so we're, we're in bankruptcy. My husband's working full time. He's in school getting his uh, master's degree, business administration, full time and taking care of my sorry butt. Because at this point, I can't even go in the kitchen to prepare a 30 minute meal. It takes me three hours because I have to keep remembering where it is and what I'm doing and figure out what's been done so I know what the next step is. Yeah. So when I say I was not functional, I was not functional. Yeah, wow. And in, in this, we get the diagnosis of chronic Lyme, which is like, hallelujah, we know what it is. And so, the doctor has this multi-page two-year plan to to fix this thing mm -hmm. and it's all these rotating antibiotics and ivs and rescue ivs and exotic stuff and i'm like this is going to be expensive mm -hmm. i i can tell just looking at it i don't even need to pull out a calculator and so i called the insurance company and explained what the diagnosis was, the plan, and to find out exactly what he's going to cover. And I got my first lesson in life asks, answers the questions that you ask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, she went through, she says, we don't believe in chronic Lyme. Those were the words of the insurance person. We don't believe in chronic Lyme. You get 60 days of oral antibiotics and that's it. I'm like, okay, thanks. And I thought to myself, 
can, can it get any worse? <laughs> and as a matter of fact, I was immediately answered because she says, oh, and by the way, you need to know that your doctor is no longer in network. Hmm. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> so we are no longer going to ask, can it get worse? <laughs> no, no, we will never ask that question again. We will only ask, how can this get better? <laughs> what else is possible? <laughs> I know, it was terrible. And so I, I was distraught because I can see the answer. It's right there. It costs about $25,000 that I don't have and they're going to give me 60 days of oral antibiotics. It's the, the end point is so far away from where I am. It's not even funny. Yeah. And so I said, well, all right, let me call dad. This is, this is my last resort. This is another one of these things that is like, I will never do this kind of thing. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I guess we're going to cross that bridge. Mm -hmm. And I called my father and explained the situation. And he explained that the bank of dad was empty. Mm -hmm. And I went to bed that night. I will not say went to sleep because sleeping wasn't a thing that was happening with my brain in that level of deterioration. Um, and around 3 a.m., you know, it's been like this caged squirrel bouncing off the sides of the inside of my skull going, well, what about this? And what if you could get a part-time job, but I can't make dinner? How am I supposed to hold down? <laughs> you know, around and around and around on all of these dead-end solutions that aren't going to work. And I finally just resigned, I guess is the best word for it. I just threw up my hands. And I said, God, hadn't talked to him in probably 25 years. Mm -hmm. I will do anything to get better. That was my prayer. And this little tiny voice in the back of my, my skull said, really anything? <laughs> and I thought about it because it has a point. Anything is a really, really big yeah for sure there are no limits on anything mm -hmm. and i thought about do i want to limit that and the places i would want to limit that is i wouldn't want to hurt anyone i wouldn't want to defraud anyone i wouldn't want to become an axe murderer right this kind of stuff and i came to the conclusion that i'm addressing god god is not going to ask me for that mm -hmm. that's not how divine universal love source works yeah. so yes anything and i got my very first miracle because i fell asleep something i hadn't done in a very long while because of the way my brain was malfunctioning mm -hmm. and i woke up in the morning with the clarity that i needed to go in and get one of their clearing ivs that this doctor offered mm -hmm. No idea how I'm going to pay for it, <laughs> but I'm going to go get it. So I went and got it. And as I was sitting in the infusion room, the doctor walks through. So I explain all the stuff about the insurance company. And he says, well, since insurance is off the table, we do have an herbalist and naturopath that has really great success with parasites. And that's basically what this is. And his appointments are half the price of mine. And he's got really good success. So why don't you try that? I said, okay, fabulous. And I'm going to mute and clear my throat a second. Hang on.
Thank you for that. You're welcome. And my alarm just went off and I'm not sure why the alarm keeps going off. Everybody at the same time. We all want attention. <laughs> Keeping it real, people. <laughs> so I am going to try to figure out why my alarm is going off with there is nothing set. So I have no idea why it just went off. There is nothing set. So who knows? There's, okay. There you go. Spirit. <laughs> we'll put it down to spirit. So I made an appointment to see this guy. Yes. Yes. And as I'm sitting in his office waiting for my appointment, there's a little book sitting next to me that says The Emotion Code by Dr. Bradley Nelson. And I'm looking at it and emotions are one of these things I've never figured out. I was raised by a Norwegian and a German. It's a double dose of stubborn and stoic. And emotions, what you do is you pack those down and pretend like they don't exist and you press on regardless, <laughs> which is not a good paradigm to function under. They, they fester and get ugly and spill out of their boxes and it's, it's a bad scene. So I thought if this guy understands how to deal with emotions, I'm, I'm all in on that. So I picked it up and I'm starting to read the book. And then the person that owned the book came back for it. So now I have to go buy the darn book. <laughs> Rats. But one of the key things that was in that book, uh, it's about how to process and release emotions. Uh, but one of the things we tend to do with them when we are emotion hoarders, which is what I was at the time, is build walls around our heart to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I knew for a fact I had a heart wall. I've known that for years and years and years. And I've always thought it was a good thing. <laughs> now I'm learning it's maybe not such a great idea. So oh. I decided I was going to take that down. And as I'm taking it down, strange things start happening. Ooh, like what? Like I start knowing things about people in the grocery store that I have no possible way of knowing. Okay. And so the scientist in me will write that off and go, you, you're making up stories and being very creative here. Mm -hmm. They've got no proof that that is in fact their story. Okay, great. And then, you know, feeling other people's emotions and seeing little bits from the future, little snippets from the past, speaking in languages I've never learned to speak. I mean, each of these like ramps up to a whole nother level of how the hell do you explain this away, right? Yes. <laughs> and I, I've so far managed to explain away each one of these occurrences, either with brain damage or creative imagination or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I came home from the grocery store one afternoon and my neighbor is helping her husband into the house. They're in their 80s. She's staggering under his weight. He's obviously in great pain. And so screw the ice cream. We're, I went and I helped him into the house. And she says, I have to go to make a kidney doctor appointment. It's gotten really bad. We're really worried about him. Mm -hmm. And so I'm standing with her husband in the living room. I'm holding his hands and keeping in comfort company, trying to make him a little comfy. Mm -hmm. And she's off trying to get this emergency appointment. And I can see he's got his eyes closed. His lips are moving. I'm not very comfortable spying on him having this conversation with the divine because I'm quite certain that's what's happening. I know him to be a devout man. Mm -hmm. And so I close my eyes and I see this little tiny flame in the middle of my vision. 
and I'm given this knowing that that's his life force and right now it looks like a flame that's dancing and flickering on the edge of going out like a little pilot light yeah. and I'm like oh wow and I haven't acknowledged who I'm talking to even at this point and I said is there something we can do about that and when I asked that question, the light flared up into this really strong bonfire and he drops my hands. So I opened my eyes and he's looking at me and he says, are you a healer? <laughs> and I'm looking to see who he's talking to because it's not anywhere in my, my reality in You're this like, moment. Am I in the process of being healed? Why, well, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it would seem so. So I was saved from responding because his wife came back and said, we've got the emergency appointment, we gotta go. So we hustle him out back into the car and send them down the road to the kidney doctor. And I went and hid in my house for a couple of days <laughs> because I got no clue what just went on there. I have no explanation for what just went on there. And after two days, I guilted myself out of the house to go check on him. <laughs> I'm a terrible neighbor. I haven't brought chicken soup. I haven't looked in, nothing. Yeah. So I went over and I tapped on the door just really tentatively. And his wife answers. She's got a smile on her face. I'm like, okay, that's, that's probably good news. Yeah. <laughs> she says, I'm so happy to see you. Jay has so many questions for you. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> Oh my. So I, I, I stroll into the living room with her and he's sitting in his Barca lounger, his feet up and his drink at his elbow and he's got his book and his remote control and he's looking fat and happy. I'm like, well, how you doing, Jay? What did the doctor have to say? He says, it was the strangest thing. By the time we got to the doctor, I was feeling good. And they put me through the usual battery of kidney tests. And I've had a bunch because his kidneys have been trying to check out for a couple of decades. And they came back normal. I haven't had normal kidney results for 25 years or so. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. And then he proceeded to ask me a bunch of questions I could Answer. But this was the moment when the scientist had to sit down and shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. Because I cannot explain that away as anything other than asking the question and his asking for assistance invited the divine to step in and lay its hand on him. Mm -hmm. Yes. And goosebumps are now across my body. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so it was at that moment I had to accept that this was the anything I had signed up for. Mm. All of these psychic knowings and other experiences and the channeling of healing was this something that I signed up for mm. when I said anything. So and since then I've been on this path of walking with a foot in both worlds. Yes. How have you healed yourself from chronic Lyme disease? Uh, I, or, I don't know if you can, or I have well, no idea. Well, I, I worked with a naturopath, yeah. and it took about three months of herbs and hot baths and following my intuition. I was, as I went through the process, I'd been given this great pile of books of shit you should do <laughs> that might help get rid of this, right? And so I 
I did all of his herbs and as I went through the book, I had learned to muscle test as part of this emotion code process. Mm -hmm. And so I muscle tested my way through the book and went, will this optimally help me? Is this something that will help? Is this something that will help to get gone as fast as humanly possible, this parasite? And so I muscle tested out, there was like six different things I did, but the thing that I remember the most was I took really hot baths three times a day. Ooh, I created really? an artificial fever situation in myself three times a day. Because okay. one thing that Lyme does is it reduces your, your basal metabolism. And so my normal temperature was like 97 degrees. Okay. Which is almost a full two degrees lower than the rest of humanity. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I did what he told me to. I did what my muscle testing directed me to. And the Lyme was gone in three months. Mm. Now, recovering from the devastation that the Lyme wreaked is a whole different process. And that's still ongoing. I still have some lingering food allergies and that sort of thing. But Yeah. So with the emotion code, was did you discover what emotions were attached to the Lyme disease? You know, I didn't test that directly. Mm -hmm. um, I, what I was shown around the Lyme disease as I was going through this process, yeah. um, we live many lives, right? And I've been a healer many times in the past. Yeah. And one of the thing, ways we were taught to heal back in the gr grand old days Mm -hmm. was you actually took the disease off of the person and processed it through yourself. Mm. And what I was shown was I had taken the disease off of my grandmother, but I didn't know how to get rid of it. Mm. Yes. Yeah, that is, that is one thing that, um, I wouldn't say I took on a disease, although I do remember, I felt sorry for a child who was sick once. And I remember just saying, I'll take it from her. And I did. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah um, you can totally do that. I don't advise it. You don't no. have to do it that and, way, but you totally can. And for those who are tuning in and are spiritual healers or coaches, like there, you do not, I just want to like reemphasize, uh, emphasize this, that you do not have to take on the other people's emotions, their thoughts. You don't have to like go beneath them to try to help push it up. It's best if you stay in your elevated, highest, best self state um, and then help them from there. Um, yes. That's something oh. that I had to learn and and it's not our responsibility to- and it's a really tough way to assist someone. It yes. takes a huge personal toll on you. Yeah. I help a lot of empaths because empaths kind of naturally do that with other people's stuff. They take yeah. on their headaches. If they're physical empaths, they'll take on emotions if they're emotional empaths. Yeah. And the problem is once you take them on, you can't process them through because it's not your junk. Nope. You, you don't have what you need to process it through in the way that you would if it were yours. Yes. And so a lot of empaths get stuck in this cycle of, trying to take on other people's stuff and get rid of it and it's very frustrating because the person doesn't really get better because they haven't learned anything different and you have trouble getting rid of it <laughs> because it's not yours to process yeah yeah yes yes oh my goodness what a what a valuable lesson you learned 
um, although totally sucks. So <laughs> it totally sucks to learn it that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and I didn't, I didn't learn it the first time, right? Because that, that was grandma. And when I was early in my journey, um, I was led to a gentleman in a grocery store that needed healing. <laughs> and I didn't want to stand in the middle of Trader Joe's <laughs> and like perform my healing and I was not at a point I was ready to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, just, just give it to me. I'll take it home. Oh my. <laughs> oh yeah. Never doing that again. No, 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 no. It, Cause he had an entity and it, oh. like, no, it, thank it you. like grabbed me by the throat. And I mean, I spent 24 hours wrestling that sucker off and out and getting it gone. And it's like, nope, never doing that again. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love that we can have this conversation and it seems like a common conversation. <laughs> so it is a common conversation. It's just everybody else hides it. <laughs> my husband and I have these types of conversations and we just laugh just like this because it's like yeah so the other day I was talking to spirit and then you know and then this entity came <laughs> and it was not a nice one no <laughs> although those I do not allow around me anymore that's also another thing that I'm sure you have learned through your journey uh, that's what yes, i had to learn as a well a lot of grounding and shielding and protection yep. and that's that's been a major thing for me um <laughs> learning how, how to put it non-antagonistic self-defense mm -hmm. because enemy patterning is like this ultimate form of separation and i find that much of the protection and shielding stuff out there tends to promote the idea of further separation. And so it's been a puzzle for me that I've been gradually picking apart how to psychically defend myself without returning aggression, for example, amplifying uh, conflict, uh, but bringing us both a step closer to unity. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love it. So one more question and then let's wrap this up. I my already, school, I know like it's, <laughs> we've been chatting for a while and I'm like, holy buckets. It's been a while already. All right. So the, um, I, my soul came into my body and it's, it's soul's calling is to teach people to lead with their soul all while listening to divine guidance. And so I am curious to know is what, does it mean to for if in your own words what does it mean to live a soul-led life mm, i call it living soul first mm -hmm. okay and i i've lived both ways the way we are trained to live our lives is to look at the world around us and figure out what the needs in the world are as compared to our particular gifts and is it going to make us the right amount of money and and get us the material goods that we're here to get. And someday down the road, there's this magic finish line where happiness lives. Okay, that's what we're trained into typically. Mm -hmm. A soul-led life is about listening to the things that light you up and paying attention to those 
and following those breadcrumbs. It's about looking inside yourself for the answer, not outside yourself for the answer. Mm -hmm. And this is not saying that you're stepping away from divinity because we are all little pieces of that supreme, unconditionally loving deity mm -hmm. that put all of this in motion. There is God inside of you. And if you look inside, you can find it. It hides behind all that separation programming. Mm -hmm. So when you look in there and you go, but I don't see anything, go, thank you program and push that aside and look again. <laughs> and it may take a few times, but there is a seed of divinity inside of you mm -hmm. that cannot be separated from you. Mm -hmm. Listen to that, listen to that little neutral voice that gives you all the best and some of the craziest advice out there. Uh, and it makes all the difference in your life. Mm -hmm. If you're between a rock and a hard place right now, do not look outside of you. Look inside because mm -hmm. the answer is in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to look inside. Um, I think I was. I was definitely afraid. I think we are trained to be afraid of what's inside of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, seeing who you are, you also see who you are not. And so that's mm -hmm. what I was afraid of, is seeing who I wasn't. And, exactly. Well, and, and when you look inside, you make the most amazing discoveries. Mm -hmm. You know, at age 50, I discovered that all the values I've been checking off on value sheets all these decades, none of them were mine. None of them. Zero. They were all my mother's. Yeah. None of them were my values. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing that came out of that was a whole pile of values, all of which start with the letter F. <laughs> Freedom, friends, family, fun, fidelity, mm -hmm. frolic. All of my values start with F. Ain't it great? <laughs> that is that is fun. <laughs> Isn't that fabulous? <laughs> oh my goodness. How do we connect with you? Oh, well, I have, I actually have a gift I would like to share with yeah, the folks out there. Um, I was guided to create a getting to know your superpowers quiz called what is your number one super spiritual superpower. And you can get that at superpowerquiz.us. And that will also put you on my mailing list and get you all kinds of fun Sophia information. And you can definitely reach me there if that's a little too more, much of a commitment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can also send me an email at askzofia, A-S-K-Z-O-F-I-A at transformationspace.co. And I, I want to sign off. And until next week, go out and live Silvers. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Thank podcast you. reflex. <laughs> yes. I love it. And you do that. And we all will do it. And so much love to everyone. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.